Hello and welcome to the Boundless Book Club. You are here with Annabelle, Andrea and Ahlam. We have really enjoyed having these regular conversations about books since we started recording the podcast and we hope you have as well. It's been nice to hear from you too so keep sending in your comments on social media and on email as well. Today we are going to be talking about hope and we have one of our listeners to thank for suggesting the theme so thank you very much i think that would come in handy during these times she said and we agree so let's talk about hope and i know we're going to recommend a few books each about this particular theme but i don't know about you i found this one a really difficult one to think about yeah me too and i think it's because my first reaction is to think about fiction whenever anyone talks to me about books And in fiction, I don't read hopeful books, but I've got some other recommendations, which I'll get to. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily looking for a book which had the theme of hope or, you know, particularly, but I'm going to talk about a book today that actually gave me hope through these difficult times and gave me some sort of enlightenment. I actually did a Google search to see what other people were saying about the theme and books that made them think about hope because I was a little bit confused about which direction to go in. And there's a Tayari Jones view on this, which I thought was interesting. So before we start talking about our own books, because I know that we all love Tayari Jones, author of An American Marriage. (laughs) She was part of a group of authors that recommended their favorite comfort book. And I think that comfort's like a really close sort of cousin to hope. Um, She said that my go-to comfort novel is The Color Purple by Alice Walker. Even though it touches on difficult subject matter like child abuse, forced marriage, this story believes that human kindness, courage, and love can defeat any challenge. Its big, beautiful, happy ending is heartfelt and hard won. Every single time I read this book, I walk away as a slightly better person than I was when I picked it up. Is that something that you think of when, when you think of books that make you feel hopeful or does your, do your choices go completely the other way? Could I maybe just launch into one yeah. of my books? Because mm-hmm. I think it fits really well, which is 50 Million Rising by Sadia Sahidi, which is certainly about something that's hard won. And it's talking about the women across the Middle East or Arab world who are joining the workforce for the first time. And it's definitely hard one, but it gives me so much hope because you know that there have been a million steps that came before that one that actually laid the foundations for this. And it talks about how, according to McKinsey and Company, women's equal economic participation could add $12 trillion to the global economy, which I think is something that gives me a lot of hope, particularly now in this situation we're in right now, because you want to know that even though things have been thrown off course, all these steps that have come before are still going to be there. We still have a foundation to start from when this is over. How many trillion? Um, $12 trillion. I can't even think about that number. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's saying things, I mean, it's full of really great stuff, but it talks about how Fortune 500 companies that have women in top management positions do better in economic returns. So they have 34% higher returns than other companies. So, you know, all that stuff is still there and it's still going to be there. There's still going to be a really solid foundation for us. 
That's a great growing. choice, Andrea. I think, you. you know, and, and, and women have been, you know, in the workforce long enough now that we have real hardcore facts. And I think facts and numbers always speak for themselves. And so, so that's a big part of the fight of, you know, to keep going and, and, and marching hard in that direction is that the numbers speak for themselves. So that's, that's, that's definitely a good, hopeful choice. I'm going to jump in and briefly recommend Factfulness by The Roslings. That was another book that I considered as well, but I really wanted to go the fiction route for this episode. But I, I just include those on. And anyone who wants to be hopeful about the state of the world and how far we've come, Factfulness is a great book to read. And there's no point me summarizing it on a podcast. It's one of those books where you just have to read and be amazed and you have to go through the little quizzes in the book as well. So just a, a quick recommendation I'll throw out there. Brilliant recommendation. That was also on my list, which I think speaks to how prevalent that is in terms of people's homes and lives. So what is your actual recommendation then? So I think we've already covered that there are little pockets of hope in in many fiction books and it's very subjective so I actually for this podcast started reading Station Eleven by Emily Sinjin Mandel because it was at the top of many people's books about you know these are this is a moving book but it's full of hope and it is about a company of traveling actors in the United States of America I think um, after a flu pandemic. So as you're reading it, particularly at the beginning, there's a lot of uh, tie-ins to kind of <laughs> what we're experiencing now, like fear, anxiety, all of that. And I could see where it was going with the hope route. I could see that, but I actually stopped it because it wasn't giving me hope. It was just reminding me of my own anxieties. And I ended up just turning to what I ordinarily would have picked up if I hadn't been doing a podcast about something and worrying necessarily whether other people would agree with my choice. And I decided to go with Thief of Time by Terry Pratchett, um, which actually isn't a Terry Pratchett book I had read before. It's part of a series which is casually referred to as the death series in the Discworld novel because one of the main focus points of those series of books is a character called Death, who is a basically parody of the Grim Reaper. Doesn't sound very hopeful, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. All of Terry Pratchett's work, if you're not familiar with it, is incredibly funny. It's all satire. And mm -hmm. I still haven't found an author who's able to tackle life's biggest questions in a way that also makes you laugh at the same time. And then, go, <laughs> you know what? You're right. The world is that way. How true, how chaotic, but also how comforting to know that. Yeah. Thief of Time, I hadn't actually read before. Reaper Man was a really big favorite, but I just thought, okay, naturally, if I was going to be searching for hope, what would I pick off my bookshelf? And I would pick a Terry Pratchett book that I hadn't read before featuring one of my favorite characters. Now, Thief of Time is basically, this is the blurb for it. Time is a resource. Everyone knows it has to be managed. And on Discworld, that is the job of the monks of history who store it and pump it from the places where it's wasted, like underwater, how much time does a codfish really need, to places like cities where there's never enough time. But what happens is the construction of the world's first truly accurate clock is in the works and it's going to stop time. And the auditors of the universe are convinced that it will end all the pesky chaos of human lives. And there's a quote that I want to read to you. While I get the quote, have either of you actually read Terry Pratchett before? I haven't, no. I haven't, but I have a question about mm. Terry Pratchett because I picked up one of his books many years ago and I, for whatever reason, I never finished it. But is he... Similar to Douglas Adams. 
it, it felt like it, all the same people that like Douglas Adams would recommend Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Well, I like Douglas Adams, so <laughs> that, that's, I that, used I'm to. proving your theory. I'm proving your theory yeah. there. So this is one quote that I wanted to read. This is death commenting on the auditors. And they believed that for a thing to exist, it had to have a position in time and space. Humanity had arrived as a nasty shock. Humanity practically was things that didn't have a position in time and space, such as imagination, pity, hope, history, and belief. Take those away and all you had was an ape that fell out of trees a lot. Intelligent life was therefore an anomaly. It made the filing untidy. The auditors hated things like that. Periodically, they try to tidy things up a little. And that's what this book is about. It's about what happens when the auditors try and tidy things up a bit. This book did appear on someone else's books that give you hope list. It was a feature that ran in The Guardian a couple of years ago. And one of the things that he said was, the giddy invention in this novel is a spirit lifter in itself, which is true of any Pratchett novel. But its vision of all too familiar folly comes with a heartening reminder that we can learn from some of our errors. Which again is, is why Death is one of my favorite characters, because he constantly points out all of the things about humanity that we sometimes forget about what makes us rather special and rather wonderful, in spite of all the horrible things that we do. And this is from Hogfather, which is a parody of the Santa Claus myth. And he's having a conversation with his granddaughter about why we need fantasy and why we need stories and things like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus to believe in. He says, yes, as practice, you have to start out learning to believe the little lies. They're not the same at all, says Susan. You think so? Then take the universe and grind it down to the finest powder and sieve it through the finest sieve and then show me one atom of justice, one molecule of mercy. And yet, death waved a hand, and yet you act as if there is some ideal order in the world, as if there is some rightness in the universe, which it may be judged. Yes, but people have got to believe that, or what's the point? My point exactly. So that's my recommendation. Love that. That's a great choice. Um, for me, it was, you know, at this time, it was such an odd time that we were sort of like not sure what we were going to go into after it's all over. So I, I looked at hope as not this light at the end of the tunnel, but rather like the light in the cracks of our daily life and how every day can be hopeful, even if it's in multiple small ways. And then that makes your life sort of worthwhile. And the book that gave me that feeling of enlightenment every day was um, The School of Life uh, by Alain de Botton. And you know, it's, it's a very popular book. Obviously, it was a bestseller. There's been talks and training courses uh, around the book and the things that he says in the book. So it talks about how in school, you know, we're taught the technical stuff. We're taught the sciences, the maths, using technology, all of those things. And that knowledge is advanced and passed on generation to generation. But the emotional knowledge of understanding you know, why we feel what we feel and, you know, understanding why we behave in a certain way, that is never taught. You know, no one ever teaches you in school how to select a partner for marriage or why you feel shame or why you feel like you need people to like you or, you know, all of these complex emotions that all of us feel, but we 
don't really understand. And the book breaks it down in, in such a great way. It's like a complete decluttering of your complex emotions and thoughts. And every page for me was like, oh my God, that is, you know, so I'm, I, while I'm reading it, I have this notebook and I'm writing all of the realizations I'm having about myself <laughs> and also like just all of the learnings in general. So, you know, as human beings, why rituals are so important, for example, you know, why and, and, and religion and meditation always goes back to rituals and doing something repetitively, right? Because as human beings, we're so forgetful that, you know, if we're not, if we believe in something and we know that to be truth and good for us, we need to be doing it repetitively to keep coming back to it. Is this why my morning coffee feels like a religious experience? <laughs> <laughs> It must be. <laughs> and it's like, uh, and it talks about how in school, you know, if, if a school is only teaching you one thing once and then moves on to the next, to the next, to the next, and you're not practicing something repetitively, it's no wonder we remember so little of what we learn at school, right? It's, I, I could not remember so much of what we've done in, in, in those 12 years. But a good school, it's sort of like, teaches you something repetitively. Uh, and that's just one of the lessons from the book. There's, there's so many things that I've got here, like understanding your primal wounds, like why something triggers you to behave so intensely and how that's related to things in your childhood or things from the past of your family history as well. And how this feeling of melancholy is okay because everything we want as human beings are so contradicting. You know, we, we want security, we want money, but we don't want to be tied to anything. We want freedom, you know, or you want to put down roots somewhere, but at the same time, you want to be traveling the world and not be, <laughs> you know, uh, tied down to something. And, and everything we want is so contradicting. We want to eat everything we want, but we don't want to gain weight. And, and it goes on mm -hmm. and on. And our, our whole state of existence is just contradicting so much. And that's why sometimes when we feel sad, but we don't know why, that is why, you know, it, it's all explained in the book. And it just, it was like mind blowing this, this experience of reading this book. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I'd love to read that book. Yeah, I, I, I really did. I, I felt like life was going to be different for me after, after I go back into the world because of, because of what I've learned here. It's one of the books that it hasn't changed me, but it's given me so, so much clarity and a lot of tools to be able to look at life with a lot more peace and comfort and hope. I like the sound of that book. And as you were talking, I, I realized that that kind of philosophy or exploration of philosophy is what I seek but in in kind of like a fictional package so a lot of yeah. that is in what I've read in Terry Pratchett which sounds completely different obviously but it's in yeah. a kind of like fantasy silly fantasy package I suppose it makes me sound like I'm a child where you have to hide my vegetables <laughs> in, in something more exciting <laughs> you know what there's, it's funny you mentioned that there's this there's a part in the book where it talks about um, if you have even the slightest form of sanity as an adult, that's because when you were little, someone stopped their life completely to pay attention to yours and sort of break the world down for you in, in bits and pieces. And I feel like that's what books <laughs> or fiction 
does for you and for for everyone it's sort of for me too it's very, much easier to read fiction it's a lot quicker but when it's non-fiction it's kind of written down so literally for you that you kind of it's slower and it's like you have to stop and, and grasp it and reread it and <laughs> it's also more I think it's much easier to digest the lessons like Annabelle said when they are there's there's one lesson in about a hundred pages and it's really explained it so well to you but you don't even see it coming until you're there you're like oh yeah we should be kind to each other yeah, yeah. it's a hidden kale in this movie yes <laughs> i like that so yeah that's my hopeful book that that's I'm fantastic today. i have one more book which um is my you husband's favorite this. book it's great <laughs> yeah it's my husband's favorite book and it's his birthday today so I'm gonna share it and it's Yay. a bit off, off brand for me it's called The Millionaire Expat and it's by Andrew Hallam and um, I know lots of people who rave about this book and it's all about taking control of your finances you don't have to be an expat to actually get something from this and I know I know lots of people talk about this as a really eye-opening book about how you even if you don't earn very much money you can invest wisely and avoid certain traps that a lot of people have fallen into and it's i mean the whole the whole book which is about 300 something pages basically says look at index funds it's a really inexpensive way to invest and over the course of a hundred years the stock market goes up no matter what happens in the short term, in the long term, it goes up. So I don't know if I've given away the ending. The suspense is gone now, but it's a really excellent book. And it gives me hope because you feel like you're in charge. So buy shares is what you're saying. Not just <laughs> buy shares in anything, but look at the, a really diverse portfolio. And you don't need a financial advisor to take a cut of your earnings to, to do that. That's the main thing. I think the point is as well that you you can't just hope for things. Sometimes you actually have to sit down and do the work and make things happen. <laughs> well, I think the reason you have hope is because it's based on something. You can't just sit around and hope and keep that home going. It needs mm -hmm. to be sustained by something. And That's if you true. feel like you are actually, you know what you're doing and you're actively taking steps to make it happen. That's the strongest foundation for hope, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Also, I'm paraphrasing here, but there was another Pratchett quote that I came across through the words of another character. The reverse of hope is fear. So hope is like the, the other side of the coin. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll be thinking about that for the rest of the day now. <laughs> I love it how you're such a Terry Pratchett fan and that you've kept that quite quiet until today. I don't think I have. <laughs> I think I've written about it in a lot of blogs for the festival <laughs> and I try I re so I really tried not I thought it was a bit obvious for me to choose it and I tried to not choose it because I'd already written about it but it felt disingenuous for me not to say these are the books that give me hope because they are I think yeah. it's great very different choices now I like the mm. books from today have you read a book recently that gave you hope? Do you want to suggest a theme? Just like this one was suggested by a listener, we would love to hear from you. Email us on comms at emiratesliftfest.com or send us a message on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you're watching, you'll know that we are on YouTube. Just pop a comment in the just below the video and um, let us know what you think. 
If you're listening to audio only, don't forget to hit subscribe and give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Boundless Book Club, the Hope episode. Thanks for tuning in.